Welcome, Cryptique fans, to tonight's show. As I'm sure you're aware, Cryptique is a show where my co-host Ryan and myself, Jay, bring you the stories of the paranormal, hidden history, forbidden knowledge, conspiracy theories, and even fringe science. Come with us for a walk on the wild side. The truth is out there. As always, if you like the show, give us a five-star rating and write a review. You can email case suggestions to cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-Q-U-E podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email and we'll give you a shout out. Tonight's topic was suggested by Tabitha. Thanks, Tabitha. We have a shout out to Brian in Pittsburgh. He wants us to do a show on ancient aliens. Well, we're planning on doing some shows on ancient aliens, but we're going to go case by case. It's just way too much to cover in one show, so make sure you're subscribed and keep an eye out. To Brian, Tabitha, and everyone listening out there, please make sure to tell your friends about Cryptique as word of mouth goes a long way and it's the best advertisement one can get. Also, don't forget to check out Ryan's other podcast, Movie How, where he and his buddy Joe do movie reviews and let them help you find your next favorite movie. I also suggest tuning in to my true crime podcast, Exploring Evil, where I cover cases of lesser-known serial killers and crimes with a paranormal twist. Imagine, you're a child with a mischievous streak. You are a rebel who does what you want. You go to play in places your parents warned you about. When we're young, we're invincible. Nothing can touch us. Then you hear about El Kikui. You're drifting off to sleep after getting into trouble earlier in the day, but you suddenly feel a presence in your room. The air is thick and heavy, and you just know there's eyes on you. You think to yourself, you should have listened to mom, dad, grandma. They all warned you about El Kikui. You pull the blanket up over your face as if that will stop the beast that's come to take you in your sleep. You feel long, gangly arms and bony hands wrap around you, snatching you up in your blanket as you rush towards the back door of your house. Then, everything goes black. Has the hideous El Kikui come for you? You should have listened. The next thing you remember is the bone-jarring crow of the rooster coming from the chicken coop. Had it all been a dream? This is the story of El Kikui, and this is Cryptique. Tell us what we're talking about tonight, Ryan. The myth of the cocoa or El Kikui originated in northern Portugal and Galicia, which was in northern Turkey. According to the Real Academia Española, the word cocoa derives from the Galician and Portuguese cocoa, which means coconut. The word cocoa is used in colloquial speech to refer to the human head in Spanish. Cocoa also means skull. Many Latin American countries refer to the monster as El Coco. In northern New Mexico and southern Colorado, where there is a large Hispanic population, it is referred to by its anglicized name, the Coco Man. In Brazilian folklore, the monster is referred to as Cuca and pictured as a female humanoid alligator derived from the Portuguese Coca, a dragon. The Legend In Spain, Portugal, and Latin America, parents sometimes invoke the Coco, or El Cacui, as a way of discouraging their children from misbehaving. They sing lullabies, or tell rhymes, warning their children. 
that if they don't obey their parents, El Kakui will come and get them and eat them. It's not the way Coco looks, but what it does that scares most. It is a child eater and a kidnapper. It may immediately devour the child, leaving no trace, or it may spirit the child away to a place of no return, but it only does this to disobedient children. It is on the lookout for children's misbehavior from the rooftops. It takes the shape of any dark shadow and stays watching. It represents the opposite of the guardian angel and is frequently compared to the devil. Others see Coco as a representation of the deceased of the local community. There is no general description of El Kakui as far as facial or body descriptions, but it is stated that this shape-shifting being is extremely horrible to look at. El Kakui is variously described as a shapeless figure, sometimes a hairy monster that hides in closets or under beds, and eats children that misbehave when they are told to go to bed. In the year 2001, Sincapuntos Press out of El Paso published the bilingual children's book El Kakui, written by Pennsylvania-born Joe Hayes. The story goes like this. There was a man who lived in a small village in Mexico. The man's wife died, which left him to raise his three daughters by himself. One of his daughters, the youngest, was very helpful, but the man was forced to work 12 hours a day and had to take on the responsibilities of two parents. The two older daughters thought their younger sister was a goody two-shoes. They stayed out and played, leaving their sister to do all the chores around the house. The young girl pled for their help, but they only laughed at her and mocked her. When the younger daughter asked her father to make her sister's help, they began to purposely make more work for her by throwing dirt on a freshly swept floor and tying knots in the laundry. The girl's father threatened to call El Kukui on the older two to come get them if they didn't shape up. The girls found this to be funny, and they had heard of the creature before. It was a tall, furry creature with one big red ear in addition to its two normal ears. With this red ear, it could hear children misbehaving from a great distance. The evil creature would kidnap the mischievous children and spirit them away to its cave where it would eat them eventually. This would serve as a lesson to the other children in the community. The two sisters laughed it off and certainly didn't take this mythical creature to be real. When the father heard of his daughter's continued bad behavior, he went outside and called to the Kukui by name. This made the two older girls even more irreverent as they continued to make fun of the situation and torment their younger sister. But villagers soon spoke of seeing a large, upright, hairy creature lurking around their town. El Kukui went straight to the widower's house and snatched the two older girls and took them to his mountain hideaway. It was a dark cave with a deep pit. El Kukui fed them one tortilla a day, which was just enough to keep them alive. After about a week, a shepherd was on the mountain tending to his flock and heard the girls' cries for help. He rescued the girls from the pit and took them back to the village. The disobedient daughters were reunited with their father and little sister and begged the man never to call the Kukui on them again. The father never did because the girls never gave him reason to. From then on, the girls helped out around the house and stopped being mean to their little sister. As a postscript to this story, all three girls eventually married and had families of their own, never leaving the area. Today, that little Mexican town is home to the great-great-great-grandchildren of the three sisters, and it is known throughout Mexico for having the most polite and well-behaved children anywhere in the country because no one wants the Kukui to return. 
There are many variations to this story, and in various versions of the legends, the Kukui can be a hairy, wolfman-like creature, or an old man, a ghost, or a large reptilian being. In some stories, El Kukui is cloaked, much like the Grim Reaper. In other stories, he is carrying a skull, or something like a jack-o'-lantern that resembles a skull. Yet in other stories, El Kukui is a severed head. The lack of a uniform description of the creature and the various ways in which the legend is told suggests a very ancient and diffused origin. The only thing that all of the Kukui stories have in common has to do with their use as a deterrent or punishment for bad behavior of children. The overall message, like the boogeyman of the English-speaking world, is that if you misbehave or disobey adults, El Kukui will come after you to take you away and the consequences are severe. Now let's take a quick commercial break. If you haven't listened to Exploring Evil yet, what are you waiting for? It's a true crime podcast, but a lot of the stories have a paranormal twist. You can hear episodes like The Body Snatchers and The Blood Farm, The Singapore Shaman, The High Priestess of Blood, and The Zombie Cop. You won't want to miss those, trust me. If you like Cryptique, you'll love Exploring Evil, and you can find it everywhere you find Cryptique. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hall is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Hall on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. The first written record of what would become the Kukui is found in a book from Portugal dating to the year 1274 called, in English, the Book Three of Grants of King Alfonso III. The Coca is described as a malignant sea creature. There are other sources from hundreds of years ago in the Iberian Peninsula describing the Coco or Coca as a large semi-aquatic reptile with spikes and a shell like a gigantic tortoise. The Kukafera was described this way and survived on a daily diet of three cats and three bad children. In the 1400s, in the areas of modern-day Portugal and some parts of modern-day Spain, the coco was often symbolized by something representing a severed head. A hollowed-out vegetable was often carved with a scary face to represent the creature, or a severed head may have been carved of wood or fashioned out of clay to scare children into believing this Kukoi prototype. Our very word in English, coconut, comes from the Portuguese legend of the severed head of the coco, and this fruit was so named when it was first encountered by the ships captained by Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama in the late 1400s. In other stories, El Cucoy is described as wearing a cloak similar to the European version of the Grim Reaper. In Portuguese Holy Week ceremonies, in a procession to announce Christ's death, a holy man walks as the harbinger of death. This man is called coco or Ferracoca and coca is the term used for the hood he wears as well. 
Also in Portugal, the hooded people called Ferracoca were responsible for gathering the remains of people who were recently executed. It's an interesting tie-in with the cloaked Kikoi and the darker aspects of the folk Catholic religion practice in Mexico like Santa Muerta. But the heavily Portuguese legend is also believed to have arrived in Mexico in the late 1500s and early 1600s. The colony of New Spain was heavily immigrated by the Portuguese, and the legend of El Cucoy may have arrived with them. Like legends do, the Portuguese cocoa slowly changed to meet local conditions. It was no longer so reptilian, and the cloak was optional. The Mexican cocoy has much more of a tendency to be a large furry creature with fangs and claws, much like the shape-shifting Nagual of ancient Aztecs. With the increase of immigration from Latin America to the United States, the story of El Cocoy has entered new territory. It will be interesting to see what will happen in the upcoming decades as this ancient legend becomes Americanized. Throughout its many changes before and after its arrival to the New World and across geographical areas, El Cocoy has never deviated from its main purpose to terrify children into obedience. Modern-day parenting experts caution adults from frightening children with stories like El Cucoy and claim the use of such scary stories to get compliance from children is a form of mental child abuse. In spite of this, there is no indication that El Cucoy will be killed off anytime soon. What follows are accounts collected by Christina Henderson from employees of MeToo, a leading digital media company representing the Latino point of view among consumers. They have a YouTube channel called We Are Me Too, where they discuss Latino culture. Alex Zaragoza envisioned El Cucuy as a tall, slender man-like figure. She said, for me, El Cucuy was a creepy demonic figure, tall and dark with a creepy robe. Its face was pale with big dark eyes, shallow cheeks and thin lips, very big and looming, but lanky. She revealed that her creature appeared in two separate instances for her, I was most scared right when I got in bed, so I would sleep curled up into a ball with my whole body covered except for a little space over my nose and mouth so I could breathe. I was petrified of having my feet pulled and dragged under the bed. The other instance, which still freaks me out, is any time I was in a bathroom in front of a mirror. I was and still am terrified of looking up from washing my face to find El Kukui or some other scary figure standing behind me. Seeing something in the mirror is something I think about all the time. It's such a trope in movies to look up from washing your hands or something like that to see something behind you and you turn around and it's not there. It's something I think about all the time. When I'm Particularly when I'm in a bathroom that has a medicine cabinet behind the mirror. If I go into it for anything or, yeah, or if it's a longer room, I think about it constantly. I'm not afraid of it. I just think about it a lot. <laughs> Writer Jorge Rodriguez had a werewolf-like creature follow him in the dark. Jorge revealed that to him, El Cucoy was tall and slender with large, knobby elbows and knees. He is covered in hair like a werewolf, but has the face of a demon with large, sharp teeth, and he has big claws on his hands and feet. What he feared most was getting caught by El Cucoy in the dark, saying, Didn't matter if I was outside or inside. When it got dark, I assumed El Cucoy was lurking in the shadows all the time. Video producer Catherine Mendoza had a mini Kikui waiting for her in the hallways. To Catherine, El Kikui looked like a short, husky creature. He had a square hat and wore all black. He had no face and a long robe, but I'm sure if I needed to explain 
what he physically looked like, it would be very much like Warwick Davis in the 1993 movie Leprechaun. Like many parents, Catherine's mom used it as a threat. My mom always threatened to call El Kikui on me, but I was wise enough to know she didn't have that type of pull. For the most part, I was terrified of seeing him on my way to the bathroom when all the lights were off. I had a really long hallway, the kind that required two light switches, so I would turn one on but still had to take the quick journey to the next light to make sure he wouldn't appear. It felt like he was always waiting for me before I had a chance to handle my business. VP of Public Affairs Lucy Flores had a Kakoi that couldn't get through customs. I would describe El Kakoi as a muscular male, black or dark gray figure that looks similar to a demon as portrayed in biblical propaganda, but has features like a chupacabra. So the Kakoi is slightly hunched over with a slightly rounded back like a werewolf, but has a human demon face with horns like the devil and has smallish legs like the chupacabra. He is fast and strong and has terrifying sharp teeth and will rip you to shreds with his clawed hands if you don't eat all your food. But what's most interesting about her Kikoi was he is fast and strong and has terrifying sharp teeth and will rip you to shreds with his clawed hands if you don't eat all your food. But what's most interesting about her Kikoi was that he grew stronger when he was home in Mexico. She said, I was most scared during my trips to Mexico. For some reason, I always felt like El Kikoi spent far more time in Mexico than he did in the U.S. I was scared of every single dark situation anywhere in Mexico. But when I was home in the U.S., El Kikoi was only frightening when your family reminded you he would come for something you did or were doing. But in Mexico, it didn't matter if you did anything bad or not. That was his home, so you better watch your back. Writer Jessica Garcia's Kikui was made extra scary by the way her mom said it. Jessica explained how her mother turned El Kikui from scary to terrifying by the way she said it. I imagined El Kikui to be an evil entity. The way my mom pronounced it, Kikui, made me think he was an evil ghost. Like one of those scary dementors from Harry Potter, all in black, you can't see his face. I was mostly scared of him at night. I hated going outside at night in the dark to throw out the trash. I would run back super fast because I swore he was going to creep up on me. Pretty much any time it was dark and I was alone, that was when I was most scared of him. Brand producer Gina Apestigui, apologies for any mispronunciations, found herself not just scared of El Kikui, but where he'd take her and what he'd do to her. Gina's boogeyman sounded a lot like Jessica's. El Kikui was a floating ghost with a black mantle. He or she had big yellow eyes. Imagine Harry Potter's Dementor with large cartoonish yellow eyes. She was most scared of what El Kikui would do to her, and it seems like she let her imagination run wild. Gina says, I always had to have the door closed. Since I didn't have a closet in my room, I thought El Kikui would come from dark parts of my room, the shadowy part of the curtain, or from the pool of black cast by my stuffed animal. In an article published on the Missing and the Lost website, by Yvonne Villasenor, she said, Latinos have a strong fascination with all things supernatural and metaphysical. A recent Pew Research survey showed a considerable amount of Latinos in the United States believe in the presence of spirits. Nearly 60% reported believing that people can be possessed by spirits, while 44% said magic, sorcery, and witchcraft can influence people's lives. 
no matter whether they identify as Catholics, Pentecostals, or other religions, a growing number of Hispanics are embracing supernatural beliefs, with 12% having reported having witnessed a possession or an exorcism, with as high as an additional 59% having seen the devil or evil spirits being driven out of someone. Roughly 40% of all U.S. Hispanics said they believe in witchcraft or brujeria, with certain people having an ability to cast curses to cause bad things to happen. Of that portion, 15% said they have experienced witchcraft or black magic being practiced on them or someone they know. In the same article comes a story from the Southwest United States. I remember as a child hearing stories about El Cucoy from my father and his brothers, my uncles, as well as from other children I grew up with, Lupe, a witness from the United States, says. But other than just telling ghost stories, I did not think nor could I have imagined that the stories could possibly be true. Lupe and her family had an overwhelming week-long experience with El Cucoy. After her husband's passing, Lupe's five-year-old daughter began waking in the middle of the night to tell her she was talking to someone. What was initially thought to be her daughter talking to her father in her dreams as a means to cope with his death turned out to be something actually quite horrific. Despite it being a scorching Texas summer, the house became icy cold in short, sporadic durations in the middle of the night. Even stranger, Lupe's mother heard her granddaughter speaking to someone accompanied by the sound of, quote, clunky, scratching, claw-like footsteps, unquote. She entered her granddaughter's room to find her trembling in the middle of her bedroom with a monstrous shadow standing over her. The figure disappeared as soon as Lupe's mother turned on the light. Lupe's mother began sleeping in the room with her granddaughter to protect her in case anything strange happened again. My sister awoke to horrific screaming and we raced to my daughter's room to find my mother lying on the floor, her pajamas ripped open as if clawed by an animal and blood everywhere. My daughter was sitting up in her bed screaming at the sight. Blood had been splattered all over the walls of the bedroom, Lupe says. I raced back to my room and grabbed my baby and brought him over with us and laid him in the bed with my daughter as I tried to help my mother. My sister called the police and went through the house but couldn't find anyone all the windows and doors locked from the inside. Police took photos of the blood-stained floor that had Lupe's mother's footprints and strange giant claw-like prints. The next night, Lupe and her family had trouble sleeping. They all slept in the same room and passed out from exhaustion until Lupe awoke to discover her daughter was no longer sleeping next to her. We heard voices and went to the living room to catch my daughter standing in front of a massive black figure. We both yelled and the figure snapped at us, now revealing that it looked like some sort of giant demonic creature. I honestly do not know if my mind thought it was someone in an elaborate costume or real or what. All I wanted to do was protect my little girl, Lupe says. The creature snapped up my daughter with what looked like massive claws with long fingers and nails and it started rampaging through the house. As Lupe and her sister chased after El Cucoy, they noticed that it, strangely enough, acted as though it was racing to get back inside the bedroom closet to escape rather than the door or window. Lupe fought for her daughter and could see the giant blood-red eyes of the creature inside the closet, hissing and growling at her. It finally let go of her daughter and the family immediately went outside to their car to call the police. Police investigated the scene and concluded that it appeared to be an animal attack. They could not identify the type of animal, nor could they or any of the family members figure out where it went once it was inside the closet. The next day, Lupe's friends and a police officer helped her watch over the house by taking shifts sleeping. Lupe did not expect El Cucoy to return. 
but it did. Like a wild, out-of-control stampeding bull, it rammed into walls and furniture going straight for my daughter, Lupik says. The police officer pulled out his gun and, afraid to accidentally shoot us, fired into the ceiling instead. It trampled over the police officer and ripped open his shoulder and back. It charged back into Lupe's daughter's room and disappeared into the closet. None of us could have imagined that this type of encounter would ever take place. This attack is the type of thing you hear about in a movie, not for real. None of us could have ever imagined that such a demonic monster is real, Lupe says. To this day, we all still experience various types of shock and have nightmares about what occurred. My mother is certain without question that the creature was El Kukoi, and so were our neighbors and even the police officer who had been injured. It seems like there's a strong possibility that if this story is true, it was a demon, not necessarily El Kukui, but, you know, because of the various descriptions and stuff like that, we can't really nail down what El Kukui is supposed to look like. But to this family, obviously, that's what they believed it was. Yeah, El Kukui seems to be kind of a catch-all name for maybe an array of creatures or experiences i i'm interested in the idea that it's real because it seems pretty readily accepted as a myth used to scare kids you know a cautionary tale just like the boogeyman or you know even in a much less traumatic way you know kind of like a tooth fairy or if you don't put your tooth out like you're supposed to you don't get the treat or the money or whatever it is that they're going to leave for you the stories of a real creature following people around, you know, has me wondering, you know, is, is this just a name being given to a set of phenomena or experiences that people are having that they assume it's this thing they've learned about all their lives? Yeah. And like you said, being a catch all, if you believe in demons and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, I do as well, that they can take, take whatever, form they want. And I think that the human mind tries to put things in a box. So when you see something you don't understand, you automatically go to the closest thing that you know, or the closest description you know of, and you would think, oh, this must be El Kikui. Right. Or maybe that's the best word they have to describe it. Well, I guess that's really about all we have on it. Um, you know, mostly, like you said, it's a cautionary tale and except for the last story i mean everything kind of points to it just being that a story of a latino boogeyman there is another really riveting story that i'm going to save as a special story that i'll put out after this podcast so if you want to hear more about el kikui you'll have to check that out and that'll be coming out soon so what do you think do you think el kukui is real i think that there's things we don't understand and maybe demon is a catch-all too in my opinion in the last story what they experienced was a demon and el kukui just made the most sense for them uh, i don't think the boogeyman's real but i think if you know a kid that was told about the boogeyman all their lives and then you know, a demonic presence appeared before them, then they might think logically, oh, this must be the boogeyman they were talking about. And even growing up with stories like that, you know, maybe the mom and the grandma 
you know, that's just where their heads went to like, oh, it must be El Kakui when in reality it was a demon or maybe El Kakui is a demon. Mm. We don't really know. That's a good point. I'm interested in the common aspect that I noticed of the stories that we just read. And that is that El Kakui is supposed to be a an entity to punish bad children. But there's no description of these kids being bad. You know, in the last one we read, the, the child was presumably an infant, you know, sleeping on its own, unable to clearly communicate what was happening, said it was talking to somebody, but not saying who, you know, she was conversing with or, or under what circumstances. So they just made the assumption that it was a dream. She was dreaming about her father. And it turns out to be this entity. So I, I agree with you. I think it's misattributed to a creature that's supposed to be like a folktale and it's really something else. So I would, I would, I would be interested to do more research on this and see if there are, you know, other types of creatures that more similarly match some of these experiences. It's interesting that two of them had the Dementor type entity, something that was more like a specter with these glowing eyes and then others with this more animal, almost werewolf-like appearance. Yeah, when you don't give a kid a specific description, then their mind probably goes to whatever scares them most. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of one of these things of if so many of them match up, then maybe there's something to it. Like with BFRO reports, when so many people report the same vocalizations, wood knocks and things like that in, the, in these behaviors that Sasquatch is supposed to exhibit when they're all so similar, even reported by people who are not that interested in the topic or in the phenomena, you know, that lends some credibility to it, that people are independently experiencing very similar things without knowing that it existed beforehand. True. Maybe El Kakui is a Bigfoot. <laughs> in the story, they said they saw a large, hairy, upright walking creature. Yeah. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe El Kakui is like a, like a teenage Bigfoot just kind of working stuff out, trying to figure himself, you know, trying to find himself before he grows up and gets into the whole like hooting and messing with campers thing. <laughs> That's it for tonight's show. We hope you enjoyed the story of El Kakui. Maybe you hadn't heard about it until now and learned something else to keep you up at night. Subscribe to Cryptique so you can hear all of our episodes and get updated when the new El Kukui story comes out soon. Remember to check out Movie Hell and Exploring Evil and email us at crypticpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think about El Kukui or any other suggestions you have for us to cover. And don't use fear to control your kids. Sweet dreams. Thanks for listening to Cryptique.